Since 2017, the Italian Wine Podcast has exploded, recently hitting 6 million listens. Support us by buying a copy of Italian Wine Unplugged 2.0 or making a small donation. In return, we'll give you the chance to nominate a guest and even win lunch with Stevie Kim and Professor Attilio Scienza. Find out more at italianwinepodcast.com. Chin chin! Welcome to Wine, Food and Travel with me, Mark Millen, on Italian Wine Podcast. Listen in as we journey to some of Italy's most beautiful places in the company of those who know them best, the families who grow grapes and make fabulous wines. Through their stories, we will learn not just about their wines, but also about their ways of life, the local and regional foods and specialities that pair naturally with their wines, and the most beautiful places to visit. We have a wonderful journey of discovery ahead of us, and I hope you will join me. Welcome to Wine, Food and Travel with me, Mark Millen, on Italian Wine Podcast. Today we travel to Emilia-Romagna to meet my guest, Alicia Lini of Lini 910, a family winery now in its fourth generation, making highly acclaimed Lambrusco wines utilizing both the Martinote as well as the Metodo Classico methods of traditional method of secondary fermentation in the bottle. Alicia, thank you so much for being my guest today. How are you? Really happy to be here with you, Mark. I'm very happy to have you as my guest. I tasted your wines this past year and was really excited by them. So I'm really interested in learning more about your story. First of all, for our listeners, to give them an idea of where Lini 910 is located, tell us about Reggio Emilia, about the Po Valley, the Food Valley, this area along a great Roman road. What's it like where you are? What's the countryside like? The best. <laughs> the best. I'm really passionate about our land. Emilia-Romagna is considered the stomach of Italy, in a way, is where we produce parmigiano-reggiano, tortellini, tagliatelle, salame, culatello. So we need this light wine as Lambrusco is to enjoy even more, you know, this amazing culture about food. So the Lambrusco has to be light, um, fruity has to be a very simple but elegant wine at the same time. So just for our listeners now, we're really in the heart of Emilia-Romagna, near Modena, is that correct? We are just in the middle between the province of Reggio Emilia and the province of Modena. We are just exactly in the middle and the little town is called Correggio. So okay. we are not far you know, from both uh, okay. the... I'm imagining you had a very hot summer. Very hot summer and very cold winter. <laughs> okay. Yes, yes. But it's an exciting moment now, Alicia. The grapes are ready to be harvested. Has the harvest begun? Yeah, and uh, just uh, this week. So we are very excited. And uh, we have managed work because the winery is, uh, you know, renew itself. I'm ready to to leave for the States. So it's a really full <laughs> moment. Okay. So an exciting moment. An exciting moment, 100%. Okay. 
Now, Nini 910, the name of the winery now, alludes to the fact that the history goes back to 1910. Yeah. Tell us something of the story of your family in making wine in this part of Emilia-Romagna. It was my great-grandfather that started to produce wine in the 1910, and then the generation of my grandfather, and then the generation of my dad, his brother and sister, and me and my cousin and my brother now. So I represent the generation number four. And uh, really, in more than a century, you know, the description of our story is really uh, different, difficult, uh, and, uh, you know, the words change uh, so many times, uh, uh, not just the word, but also the wine word uh, in a way, but really, really fascinating. Of course, the wine word that I'm living now is really different from my grandfather, you know, of course, from, from my great grandfather, but in a way also from the generation of my parents as well. Tell me your own story, Alicia. You didn't actually always intend to go into the world of wine. Well, you know, I study classic ballet, so I just wanted to become, a, you know, a classical ballerina. But then, you know, just start to grow in my mind uh, the idea that uh, one day I could join the winery, the family. And after, you know, I took my bachelor degree and my master's degree in UK, I wanted to stay there for a PhD. But my dad called me back and I say, no, just try to join the family business. And if you like it, you will stay. If you don't like it, if you you will go back wherever you want to go. So I came back and I joined. I really like it and because we are here connected. So definitely I stayed. <laughs> so and it's been, Mark, really tough in the beginning because at the time, almost 25 years ago, the perception about Lambrusco was still cheap and sweet. And my family tried to fight for decades and never came down to the compromise to produce uh, a sweet coke uh, in a way. So it's been really tough uh, try to fight and affirm and try to get uh, a really cultural, educational approach uh, about palate and what you should expect from a good glass of Lambrusco. And in a way, we try to step back instead to promote uh, Lini, the family, and our culture. We want to promote uh, a strong territory in itself and what the quality could uh, symbolize, you know, the real territory and the real authenticity of Lambrusco. So Absolutely. Step by step, that is so interesting because, as you say, Lambrusco has been a wine that is not always understood. The real Lambrusco has experienced in the region, in Emilia, as opposed to, you know, the huge quantities that are exported and perhaps gave that name to the wine. But when I've traveled to the air, I've just been so excited by how well the wines, you've alluded to this, Salicha, of how well the wines go with the local foods. And we'll talk about that a bit later. But at Lini, you have been really at the forefront of something of a revolution in the Lambrusco wine country. Would you say that's true? It's true, 100%. There was a very deep revolution. And the first revolution that my family tried to make it, and I think in the in the name of my dad, that when he just joined the family as well, 
when he became the winemaker of our family, he decided to not come to any compromises and uh, was really tough at the time, Mark, because the, the, the majority of Lambrusco exported was just sweet, uh, was amabile and uh, in a way, you know, I can say in a provocative way that the amabile doesn't exist. It was an invention in a way because you cannot enjoy um, a place of tortellini and a place uh, of cappelletti, uh, uh, we say, or a place of uh, lasagne or a slice of culatello with a sweet wine. Just the opposite. The Lambrusco has to be dry, very clean, very net, sparkling, but, you know, in a very slow way. So it has to incorporate the bubble, it has to be simple but elegant, as we said in the beginning. My dad said, if we have a chance to make it, we have at this level. And uh, instead to see the bad aspect, we wanted to focus on the the top and we never stop it. My family is famous because we have been the first to start to elaborate uh, the um, Brusco grapes also through a classic method. And these were the time where even most difficult to maintain this process, very elegant, but also very expensive. And nobody understood that at the time because the context was cheap and sweet and in a, obtained in a very quick way, to understand? So the opposite was uh, to obtain Lambrusco in months, uh, in years, uh, and through a natural fermentation, through directing to the bottle like a champagne. So it's been, you know, a very unbelievable challenge. Wine Spectator just uh, recognized the quality of this uh, Lambrusco. And this has been, you know, a new beginning. That's really interesting. And also, of course, that would have been the recognition that Wine Spectre gave when they selected your wine for opera wine for the 100 best Italian wines with a Lambrusco amongst the 100 best Italian wines. And very important and prestigious selection, a very important, wonderful opportunity to taste these wines. It's opera wine takes place just before Vinitoli, and I had a chance to taste your wine for the first time last year at Opera Wine, and I remember I was very impressed. You were in very good company with some of the greatest names in Italian wine, and so that must have been very satisfying for you. Well, you know, step by step, we are trying to rebuild, uh, you know, the palate uh, about the authentic uh, Lambrusco, and uh, every single market, and uh, from the press, of course, uh, to people that work uh, in the sector, and also, you know, every single consumer are really seduced, are really attracted, uh, you know, about the authenticity. There is no bluff. You can obtain Lambrusco in a week of fermentation. Our entry levels stay between at least uh, three or four months and natural fermentation, double fermentation. And this is the best satisfaction. You know, when someone recognizes uh, inside the glass uh, the real quality and the real authenticity, there is nothing uh, to add, to understand. So it's really amazing. Uh, it's really fluent now. Just uh, be there in a very authentic way, and uh, everything happened. And I have to say that this is a really special moment for 
our winery, for our family. Because after many years uh, where we insist, uh, we fight, uh, um, I'm in the States every month. Uh, uh, I meet, uh, you know, really many, many people and very also people that study, people that dedicate, uh, you know, about uh, uh, how to learn, how to understand the territory. Labrusco is really big family. You know, there are many clones. Uh, you know, there is Lambrusco Salamino, Lambrusco Sorbara, Lambrusco Grasparossa, Lambrusco, cioè many. And uh, every varieties give you something different and how to interpret this uh, um, well, is tell us really a fascinating. Little bit, a little bit about a few of these important varieties because they are very different. Lambrusco di Sorbara, yeah. that pale. It's, it's a big family. And, yeah. um, what I are the most important for you? For my family, 100% Salamino, which is uh, for my dad, uh, who is the winemaker, is the one that gives to the final result to more elegancy. But this is our experience, uh, you know, that we are talking about uh, interpretation and passion and uh, personal taste. Uh, there is uh, an objectively interpretation and a subjectively interpretation. Sorbari is amazing for its own freshness, amazing acidity. Grasparossa is more full in terms of color. It's a really full red uh, Lambrusco version and probably more round in a way. But there are many, and I think that this is the special challenge for everyone to find uh, the best uh, that you can, you know, uh, you can find uh, match with many things because yeah, we were talking about food. And of course, uh, the when you join Lambrusco together with our food territory is amazing. But at the same time, uh, in being uh, away, in many occasions, I experienced Lambrusco with uh, fish, uh, with the salad, with the sandwich, uh, with the pasta, not just with the traditional plates, uh, which is, the, of course, the, the best and the top, Wine to Wine Business Forum. Everything you need to get ahead in the world of wine. Supersize your business network. Share business ideas with the biggest voices in the industry. Join us in Verona on November 13 to 14, 2023. Tickets available now at wine2wine.net. So, Alicia, these various varieties of Lambrusco that you just explained, Sobara, Grasparossa, Salamino, and others, actually mean that Lambrusco isn't a single wine. There are a variety of styles, some deep in color, some light in color. And actually, Lambrusco becomes a really versatile wine, and you can have different Lambruschi when, on different occasions. Would you say that's correct? Is perfect. Yeah, is correct. One hundred percent. Lambrusco is a very versatile wine. Uh, it goes uh, in many occasions. I think that we try to explain uh, this uh, versatility, and uh, and people are really surprised. It's just eleven vol uh, the majority of the times that you can enjoy a glass of Lambrusco. So the pleasure and uh, the drinkability is just there. It's a very food-friendly wine. So no food, no Lambrusco. Some food, yes, Lambrusco, yes, you can enjoy Lambrusco. What food? The foods of your area are some of the most delicious and famous in the world. Let's talk about the really typical um, 
a cucina of Amelia. The, yeah, the things I, that goes so well with your wines. Yeah, I really, really like uh, Erbazzone, which okay. is. Uh, as, uh, is a kind of uh, spinach cake yes. um, that you can enjoy every moment during the day from breakfast to lunch as a aperitive and is amazing made with parmigiano reggiano with some ricotta some eggs and you can have a with or without pasta there are many recipes and I think that this is uh, really cool I enjoy with uh, just a slice of prosciutto parmigiano reggiano as a finger food. I like it with gnocco fritto, which is kind of a fried pasta yeah. that with salume. Oh, I love with tortelli, uh, panke, and spinach. Uh, so Mark. the tortelli would be really typical of, uh, ah, yeah. of uh, Reggio Emilia. Uh, yes, and tortellini with broth, okay. parmesan cream, parmigiano cream. Um, oh gosh, you're making me very hungry. It sounds wonderful. Yeah, me too. <laughs> and, uh, you know, while you are enjoying all of this food, a bottle of Lambrusco is like, uh, I don't know, goes... Uh, just because this food is really rich, we need this light wine in order to reset, re-prepare the palate to enjoy again the food. So it just... Uh, a dance between food and wine, food and Lambrusco, food and Lambrusco. I love that, just a dance, and you as a dancer telling us this. And I think you're absolutely right. It's an example of where the wine is in perfect harmony with the local foods. Yeah. As you say, that richness of the food needs the freshness of Lambrusco, the acidity of Lambrusco, of these dry Lambruschi that really are made to be drunk with friends casually happily it's yeah. a happy wine exactly it's really happy wine and um i think that people are really surprised to enjoy this pleasure this quality and this drinkability all together all together so um i think that the evolution of uh, uh, Lambrusco uh, is amazing and uh, the success uh, is uh, unbelievable now. It's really unbelievable. Yes, I think it's it's come full circle now. Lambrusco is the sort of wine that many of us are looking for. As you say, it's a little bit lower in alcohol and it's a wine you can really drink very enjoyably on many, many occasions. When I travel and I find myself in many different contests, I had the opportunity to enjoy Lambrusco during finger food party, during a barbecue, in a really elegant dinner, our Metodo Classico Millesime Lambrusco grapes. I enjoyed this uh, I, in my personal life, in front of the TV, just uh, around the table with my friends. So it's really, really versatile. And uh, I think uh, that you can enjoy Lambrusco in many, many different occasions. And this is, uh, is a part of uh, uh, the idea that you, you should have a bottle of Lambrusco in your fridge or in every occasion. Yeah, absolutely. Just as we've been speaking about real, genuine, serious Lambrusco, the wines you're producing, as opposed to the wines that perhaps gave Lambrusco its previous reputation. 
There's another product I'd like to speak briefly with you about, which is the aceto balsamico tradizionale di, is it di Modena or di Reggio Emilia that you're Di Reggio Emilia. Di Reggio yeah. Emilia, which, which again, I think it's important for our listeners to understand the difference of real, genuine, traditional balsamic vinegar as opposed to the industrially produced. So maybe just a few words. Well, um, my family started to produce this uh, uh, with the generation of my great-grandfather, and we never stop. Historically, it was uh, a kind of uh, dowry. So when a baby girl was born, you put away some barrel of balsamic. And hopefully when she was ready to get married, this was a part of a family gift. This is historically what family were used to make it. And um, my family did this for a personal use. Uh, and, and then we just want to divulgate the pleasure and the quality of an authentic, traditional balsamic vinegar. This is an amazing product that has... Uh, I don't know, we spend more than 12 years in order to obtain a little bottle of balsamic. And uh, this is considered, you know, red lobster. And then there is a silver, is a, even if, you know, is, sorry, is uh, the silver is uh, more aged. And, uh, and then there is the gold, which is sometimes more than 25 or 30 years old. And of course, Alicia, uh, these are qualifications from that are granted by the consortio. Is that correct? Yes. Because yes. Uh, it's a very, very well regulated for the traditional aceto balsamico, which is very important. Now, just to how perhaps one might best enjoy that, maybe just a few drops on a piece of Parmigiano Reggiano and a yes. glass of Lambrusco. When we start to enjoy the balsamic, you, in a way, you should hand it to enjoy the wine because the balsamic is the final close in your palate. And uh, it's amazing with the Parmigiano Reggiano, it's amazing on ice cream okay. and uh, is top on strawberry. Mark, we just talk about food all the time. (laughs) But this is Emilia. You wanted to know about Emilia? This is Emilia. Is, you know, you drive a Ferrari, you enjoy the balsamic vinegar, you drink a a good glass of uh, uh, our Lambrusco, and this is the energy. uh, and, And you hear Pavarotti. And you hear uh, Pavarotti, yes. And you hear Pavarotti. And I yeah. think that this is, is an atmosphere and uh, a really authentic uh, energy that you can have here in Emilia. I think it's important that people come to Emilia to experience, to experience Lambrusco as it is in the area, to taste these wonderful foods, to learn about the culture and the history. And so I'm, I encourage our listeners to make sure that they visit when uh, they're next in the area. Can people visit the Lini Winery? Yeah, you are very welcome. People are welcome. They can get in contact uh, with the winery by email, and we fix an appointment. Uh, The tour and everything is really familiar. You know, you just join the family. I will be there. You know, you will have a tour with me and a little taste uh, with me. It's really a family contest. Um, someone said that uh, um, what uh, Emilia didn't have, uh, they created. 
Uh, and it's really true that our mentality, our DNA, uh, just uh, work hard and enjoy hard. And I think that uh, who uh, has the opportunity to join, uh, to, to experience uh, the Emilianity, can brief exactly this. Uh, so the beauty, but at the same time, uh, a contest where people work hard and then, you know, the pleasure of food and wine is just there that is waiting for you. Well, absolutely wonderful. I look forward to visiting myself, hopefully sometime soon. Alicia, thank you so much for being my guest today. I've really enjoyed our conversation. I enjoyed tasting your wines earlier in the year, and I look forward to sampling them again as soon as I can. But in the meantime, thank you very much. I hope the harvest goes well, and best of luck with everything. Grazie. Grazie, grazie, Mark. Thank you so much from my heart. Thank you. Grazie. Ciao. Ciao. We hope you enjoyed today's episode of Wine, Food and Travel with me, Mark Millen, on Italian Wine Podcast. Please remember to like, share and subscribe right here or wherever you get your pods. Likewise, you can visit us at italianwinepodcast.com. Until next time, chin chin. <laughs>